Well, good morning, church, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, as we are leading up to Easter, we are doing a series on witness. And what is a witness and the power of sharing our testimony? I'm reminded um, just the power of a personal testimony. It can be anything, um, like if you were in a college class and you're telling your friend, oh my gosh, this class is amazing, the professor is so smart and, and the way they give their lectures, it's just so awesome. And you, if you're hearing that, you're like more like, okay, well, maybe I'll have to try it. I'll have to check that class out. Um, we see a friend who's lost a lot of weight or something. We're like, what? What have you done? And they, they will tell you all about the program they're doing, the nutrients they're eating, the workouts they're doing, and all the, the system and the structure and the teacher and the, you know, the person that they're following. And, and then it makes you think, well, well, well if they can do it, I could do it. And um, there's nothing like a personal story or a personal testimony, a personal experience like, hey, this is what I went through. It wasn't easy, but the results have been transforming and people love transformations. And that's what I love about being in Christ because unlike a college class or a weight program or maybe like a financial class, whatever, unlike any of those, Jesus is the source of life and he has the power to transform any broken life, any broken heart. Um, and I love, I love that when we as believers, when we share our personal testimonies, when we share our personal stories, when we share our salvation story, when we say, hey, look, I once was like this, but now I'm like this. When we share that transformation, when friends see us, maybe they knew us back in the day in our sinful ways and they see us now and they, what happened to you? Like, who are you? I didn't even recognize you. Um, there is nothing more powerful than a transformed heart and a transformed life. And the cool thing is, is that we get to participate in what the kingdom of God, what God is already doing by us sharing our testimonies, by us saying like, look what God has done for me. We get to participate in the work and the movement of God and we get to be used uh, in such amazing ways. And so today, as we talk about how to share and why we share our personal uh, testimonies, I want us to open our Bibles to John chapter nine. And we're going to take a look at a, a story that we have all heard. And, you know, Jesus was in town and when Jesus is in town, miracles happen. And so we're going to read a story about a miracle today. John chapter nine, verses one. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that th hit this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with some saliva and he put it into the man's eyes. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. 
So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who were formerly had seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who sat and begged? Some claimed that he was, but others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus. He made some mud and put it in my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and, and then I could see. Where is the man? they asked. I don't know, he said. Then they brought the Pharisees to the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud in my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. So here you have Jesus and his disciples. They're walking through town and they see a blind man. And right away, the disciples are quick to judge the situation and say, wow, why, why do you think? Why do you think he's like that? Do you think it's a sin he committed? Do you think it's a sin his parents committed? And I love Jesus's response because I think the disciples response is sadly our sinful human nature, that it's human nature to be like, wow, I wonder what they did to receive such a terrible lot in life. Um, but Jesus reminds his disciples that he or his parents did not sin. The reason why he is blind is so that the glory of God may be seen through him, that may be displayed through him. And so the disciples are probably like, I wonder if a miracle is going to happen. And so Jesus, you know, talks to this blind man and and now the blind man can't see it, but the disciples can. They see Jesus spitting. I think this is probably one of the most unique miracles where you see Jesus spitting on the ground and, you know, on the dirt. And, he, and then he rubs it with his fingers and he makes mud. And then he puts this saliva mud on the blind man's eyes. And then he tells him to go and wash. And the, the blind man, like, does it, like, he goes and as he's washing, he receives sight. Well, this just freaks the whole town out. I mean, they're like, that's not, that, is that the blind guy who was blind, but now he's not blind and he's blind, he, we, what? And they're like, yeah, that's him. Others are like, no, that's not him. That couldn't be him, that's impossible. Um, and so this miracle happens and it's recognized through everybody in the town and everyone freaks out. And the man's like, it is me, it is me. I was the blind man. And so they have to get the Pharisees over to inspect this whole situation because this was a Sabbath and you know the laws are important. And so they bring this man before um, these very educated Jewish leaders. And now this man has an audience. Now this man was a beggar. He was uneducated. He was blind. Um, probably not, you know, didn't have the, the privilege of being in school because of his blindness. And now here he is in front of Israel's Jewish leaders. And they ask him, like, are, are you the blind man? He says, it's me, it's me. Anyways, further down in the story, we didn't read all of it, but they eventually call his parents in and they question the parents. Like, is this your son? Was he blind? You know, and uh, the parents are like, oh my gosh, these are like 
the Jewish leaders of our community and we don't want to say the wrong thing. Like, have you ever been like under fire? Like, you know, you get asked a question you don't know how to answer or you just feel like, oh my gosh, what if I say it wrong? Or what if I, and I think that that's the situation that the parents felt like they were in. Like their son is healed. And then they're questioned before the religious authorities and they, they freeze out. And so what they say, well, he's of age. This is what the parents do. He's of age. Bring him back in here and let him speak to you. So they bring the, the formerly blind man back in. And I love this. We're going to read this verse. Uh, John 9, 25. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And he replied, whether this man is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. You see, this blind man, the, the religious leaders were asking the blind man a theological question. Like, do you know if Jesus is a sinner since he healed you on the Sabbath? And the blind man simply says, I don't know. All I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. I was this way and then Jesus healed me and now I'm this way. And there is power in a personal testimony where they were trying to trick the parents and, and the blind man, they were trying to, you know, they were before, you know, these very educated leaders and he's like, I don't know. All I know is this and that, and there is nothing more powerful than a personal experience than a personal encounter with God. And that brings me to my first point today that we share our testimonies because why? Because it's ours. You share your testimony because it's yours and that God is going to place you where he wants you to be so that he can be glorified in your life. The friends that you have, the community that's around you, the people that you encounter while you're out and about, that God may have placed you there for such a time as this so that you can share your experience. I was once this way and then God did this and now I am this way. It reminds me, I know maybe some of you have heard this story, but it reminds me of my lifeguarding days. And um, there are three different types of rescue, like as I like to see it. You know, there is a shift, you know, as we come to work, there are um, a few of us that are on a, like a rotation. So there's four of us on a different rotation. We all take different sections of the beach or the water. And we're all kind of keeping, we're kind of like covering our zones, but we're also like kind of like big picture, but like I'm, this is like my zone right here, but I'm kind of keeping my eyes wide open. And I think that there's always like, there's always three types of rescues. There's that rescue where all the lifeguards, you know, we're all kind of in the zone or we're all kind of watching and watching the you know, the, the patrons swimming and uh, you can just see that one swimmer. Uh, we all see it and we're like, oh man, Ugh, he shouldn't, 
he doesn't know how to swim. And you see the swimmer is like trying to swim out to like, I don't know why, but going deeper and deeper. And we're all like looking like, okay, you, who, who's going to, who's going to get it. And, um, and so you have like, you know, okay, you got it. All right. He's kind of in your, he's closer to you. And so we, you know, one of the lifeguards will kind of go and save the, the person that we all kind of saw struggling. And we just decided who's faster and who, and we kind of just by looking, we can just see, you got it. Yeah. Okay, good. And then they get it. And we're like, good job. And then, you know, if you were the person that rescued that person, you're just like, oh, please stay in the shallow end if you don't know how to swim, you know, and you kind of give them a little scolding. Um, so that's the first kind of rescue where we all kind of see the trouble that's out there and, you know, pick kind of a person to go for it. The second kind of rescue is that rescue where you're, again, you're doing the same thing. You're covering your section and you're kind of, kind of keeping your eyes open uh, on all the other sections. Um, but you have, um, all of a sudden you see the lifeguard, run by you, another lifeguard, and you're like, oh, what did I miss, right? Because you're covering your section, then you see like a lifeguard running toward the water, toward a rescue, and you're like, oh my gosh. And then you can see what they're running toward. You can see it. You didn't see it at first, but you see it now, and that lifeguard is there. And you are also alert and ready. So if they need help, you're ready to go and help them, whether with a paddle board or rescue can or whatever. Um, the third kind of rescue, and this to me is probably one of the more scarier rescues uh, because of the implications of it. And that is, you know, again, you're all watching your shifts, they, you know, they all have your designated zones. And then you see someone, you happen to just see that person struggling in the water. And I can't tell you how many times this has happened um, where you see them struggling and you kind of, you look around to see if all the other lifeguards are looking and nobody's seeing it. And then you've got to jam into action. You have to rescue as quickly as you can. And then what happens is when you rescue them, Unlike the second rescue where everyone's like, good job, you saved them. We all saw you go for it. When you rescue this person and you look at all the other lifeguards for your applause, like, good job, you, you got them. And everybody missed it. The fact being that if you weren't there that day on shift, if you didn't see that person go down, nobody would have seen it. And church, I believe that we are in a season right now that we are kind of disconnected in a way we're not able to gather, but you are the church. You have Jesus in you. And I believe that God has placed you exactly where you are so that you can be that lifeline to the lost and the hurting and the broken and the testimony and the work of God that he has done in your life is unique and it is special and it will resonate with those around you. It will resonate with the people that God places in front of you. And you and I only need to have courage to speak of what God has done in our lives and it will give hope. 
it will give peace. And I believe that there will be a revival if we, the church, begin to be the church outside of the walls of the church and we begin to share about what the Lord has done for us. Amen. Number two, we share our testimonies because it brings glory to God. No other reason than that. We, when we share our testimonies, we don't need to get into all the details, all the nitty gritty, all of the, the gory you know, junk. All we need to say is, hey, I was this. This was the life it was about. And there is no glory. There was nothing but shame and nothing but, you know, unrest. And, you know, we're not giving that past life any glory. We share it so that God may be glorified in and through the redemptive work that he has done. So we share our testimonies so that God is glorified. We share our testimonies um, because God doesn't want us to forget. I think when you look back at the Old Testament, when we see um, you know, the people of Israel, I always kind of get so frustrated when I flip through the chapters. It's like one chapter, they're walking through the Red Sea that God had just parted. And it's like two or three chapters later, a few chapters later, you know, they're worshiping the golden calf. It's like, what in the world? Like, how have they forgotten so quickly what the Lord has done? But I do believe before we, you know, cast judgment on Israel, Think about yourself and think about how forgetful you and I can be. We can be so forgetful about the goodness of God, about what he's brought us through. So we share our testimonies so that we will not forget. In in the Old Testament, when you had Moses, and Moses, this is right before the people of Israel are about to go into the promised land. And Moses is passed is passing the baton to Joshua and Moses will not enter into the promised land. And he's kind of giving them one last encouragement. Like you're going to go into this land and you need to remember what the Lord has done. Remember what he's rescued you through. Remember your days in the wilderness. Remember the 10 commandments that he's given you. Like Moses is like giving them this last charge and the charge that he is giving them is do not forget Do not forget and tell your children, tell your children's children's children that we are not to forget the work that God has done, that we are to tell our kids about what God has done in our lives. I love it. And as as Moses is encouraging the people we see in Deuteronomy 4, 9, Moses says this, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and their children after them. We need that constant reminder. I love that word that, that we, would, we would not allow what God has done to be faded from our hearts. So we share our testimony so that we will not forget. But I believe that we also share our testimonies so that we remember. We remember what God has done so that when we are in a hard place, when we are in the darkness, because when we're following Jesus, it's not a matter of like, well, if hard times come. No, it's a matter of when hard times come, I remember 
that it was God who delivered me from all of the other hard times, that we remind ourselves of the testimonies of the good works that God has done so that we will remember when we're in a dark, hard season. I love when we when we walk with the Lord that there are a couple, there's our, our story of salvation, the way God rescued us, that moment when we said yes, that I, you know, it's like that Paul conversion where Paul was on the road to Damascus and then boom, Jesus intercepts him and and completely changed the course of Paul's life, that we all have that yes moment where we've surrendered our lives to God. But then we have these other, uh, all through following Christ, we have these God stories or testimonies of times that God provided when we had nothing, times when brought, God brought a friend when we felt lonely, when we had an encouraging word, when we were discouraged, when we see miracles when we needed one. And so when we follow the Lord, I believe that there's two types of testimony. There's our salvation, our conversion story, and then there's testimonies of what God has done. And so we share our testimonies to remember what God has done. And I love this. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. We see David. Um, David, you all know King David. He didn't start out as a king. He started out as a shepherd boy. And the lessons that he learned in the field with the sheep being all alone, God was working and, and building stories of faith and testimony inside of David as he's out with a sheep. And we can see that that's true. See, we think, you know, being a shepherd, being out in the field, that's like a life of obscurity, a life of loneliness, a life of being overlooked. And as David is over in that season that God is shaping and molding his character and he's strengthening him in his faith and his physical stature as he's out in the field, that his, his testimony is beginning to form. And I love this verse when David goes before, um, when he goes and checks in on his brothers while his brothers are at, uh, in, you know, at, at war with the Philistines, he sees this large Philistine giant, you know the story, Goliath, and Goliath is insulting Israel, but more importantly, he's insulting the name of the living most high God. And David, there's just something inside of him that he remembers his testimony. He remembers who his God is, and he remembers the strength that he has when he's in the Lord. And he reminds him, like he comes before Saul and he's like, I, I, I will go fight him. And this is what David says in 1 Samuel 17, 37. Okay, well, we'll actually start at verse 33, where Saul says, um, you're not able to go out to this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And, and he has been a warrior since his youth. But then David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep of the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from his mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine.
Now, before you think that David was just like this cocky 16 year old coming before the king, like, oh, let me at him, you know, uh, you know, he's saying, well, I killed the lion, I killed the bear and I'll kill this giant. And just as God, God was with me, the Lord was with me then against the lion and the bear that he will be with me against this Philistine. And I love that David is taking that personal testimony that God was with me then, he will be with me now. That we share our testimonies and we remind ourselves, we remind each other like, hey, don't you remember? God did this before, he will do it again. And we can be strengthened in our faith because we remember what God has done. And finally, we share our testimony so that we can overcome. In Revelations 12, 10, it says this, And then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now have come the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of God, and the authority of the Messiah. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down, and they triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I love that there is actual power in our testimonies. You know, the, in Revelation, we see that it mentions the accuser, that the accuser it stands before God and accuses the brethren, accuses the brothers and sisters day and night. And that is the function of the devil, of the enemy, where he accuses you, he he accuses you, he accuses you. And then the word of God says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the power of their testimony that we overcome the accuser, that we overcome his pointed finger at us by the blood of Jesus Christ, that he makes us whole, that I am not righteous on my own, that is through Christ and what he has done, I am forgiven, I am clean, I am free. And then I share what he's done and the power of my testimony, like who can stand? Like we overcome the enemy and the accuser by the blood of the lamb and the testimony of our mouth. And so church, um, today I'm just reminded of how precious life is and how powerful our testimonies are. You see, um, me and me and John are pastors and we have, you know, this is our job. And you might think like, well, I'm not a pastor and I don't have the right words and I don't really know, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say anything and I want to offend anybody. But I'm reminded of the blind man who had no education and was a beggar and, you know, damned to a life of poverty, comes before the most eloquent class and he's able to say, I was this way and now I'm this way. And that God will give you the words and that you are ministers of Jesus Christ in your workplace, in the marketplace, in your, at your school, um, you know, out while you're doing errands, that you are a minister and that God will use you and use your testimony to make a difference um, in people's lives. And so as as we come to a close, I'm just kind of reminded I, I sat through a, a life insurance uh, policy uh, 
demonstration. And, you know, the story was just, you know, so, you know, gripping and so crazy. You know, she shared that her husband had passed away in his 30s and um, very unexpectedly. And they had already had some life insurance. She's like, but here I was a widow. I was, you know, 30 something. I had two kids and I was okay because of the life insurance that I had. And, you know, she's, you know, the life insurance people are so amazing. They like, you're like, sign me up. Right. Um, and they're just, they're really trying to help like life. Like they're, they're letting you know how unstable and how unpredictable and how in a moment life can change. And they're like, you need this coverage. Like you will be paid out and you will be taken care of financially. And you know, they've got really positive stories and then they have really sad stories about people who didn't, you know, take the life insurance. And the whole time I'm listening to this thinking like, this is how we need to be about Jesus. That our friends and the lost and the hurting and the broken are going to hell unless we tell them, unless we share the good news of Jesus, that life is temporary, that tomorrow is not guaranteed. And so God is, again, church, God has placed you where he has placed you so that you can be a witness to his goodness and his grace and his mercy. And all we need to do is just share it and let, let God do the rest. Like you just plant the seed and allow the Lord to do the growing. Um, so would you pray with me today um, as we close? Lord, I thank you for my brother and sister in Christ. Lord, I thank you for the redemptive work that you have done in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, I thank you, God, that as they look back, Lord, they can see, man, where would I be today without Jesus? We thank you for that, Lord. And so right now, I pray, God, for courage and I pray for boldness and I pray for uh, those Holy Spirit words of life to come upon us, Lord, that we would begin to recognize an opportunity when you've placed one before us, that we would um, we would begin to see like, oh, I could say something right here. And, and, and Lord, that we would just walk by faith and share the good work of what you have. And Lord, we leave the results to you. And as we share, Lord, I pray that you would grow our faith, that we would see like the benefit of sharing our faith, the benefit of sharing our story. And Lord, I pray God for a revival in our island. Lord, as we approach Easter, Lord, people need you now more than ever. So Lord, we pray for the lost. We pray for the hurting. Lord, we pray for the depressed and Lord, those who are at their wits end. And Lord, we pray God that you would send them the people of God to give them hope and give them life, um, to, to share an encouraging word that we would be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Lord, I pray that there would be a great harvest, Lord, this coming Easter. And I pray that you would just activate the church, Lord, that we would come alive to sharing your word. We thank you, God, that we have this amazing opportunity to be your witness that we can share our testimonies. So Lord, um, be glorified in and through our lives, Lord. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.